What's up, everyone? My name is Philip Hensler. And I'm Adam Richman. And we're your co-hosts for today's PATHS Technology Committee podcast. We started this podcast to initiate a conversation with the members of the athletic training community in Pennsylvania in the hopes that we can engage and foster relationships in the state, explore emerging settings, and provide a unique perspective into the day in the life of an athletic trainer. <laughs> Today, we have two very special guests for the Pats podcast. Co-hosts Adam Richmond and Philip Hensler are taking this time. We're going to sit down and talk a little bit about ourselves and hopefully bring uh, some good athletic training topics to the table and get everyone discussing current trends and what the future holds. Uh, so without further ado, Adam, how are you today? Phil, great. I'm, I'm very good. Um, just kind of hanging out today. So it's it's summertime, so I'm on a ten month contract, which is which is awesome at Dickinson. And uh, you know, I completed my contract in May at the end of May, and so June and July is all mine. I get to do whatever I want pretty much on a daily basis, which is is really nice. Um, I actually have two kiddos running around. Only one of them is mine, by the way. But the uh, my <laughs> Mason has a friend over, so. Um, I'm kind of sitting in the corner of my house and I have a window on the both sides and every once in a while I just kind of see them running around and like squirting each other with water guns. So if I get, you know, kind of distracted, that that's probably what it is. But how about that's you, awesome. Phil? So, so you have a Mason as well. My, uh, my oh, youngest yeah. is Mason. He, uh, he's about one and a half. My oldest is a Parker and he turns five next month. Um, yeah. Currently I'm working for a uh, industrial sports medicine company. Uh, Briotics, and I'm contracted here in the North Hills of Pennsylvania, um, right outside of Pittsburgh, uh, doing uh, work on, um, we can call it a manufacturing line. I work with the uh, the line workers, the uh, distribution team, and the truck drivers. Uh, nice. So that's my two days a week, and then the rest of it, um, I don't know if you guys have noticed, uh, I run a little photography company, and that's kind of how we got started with the podcast. Yeah, um, so... I want to go back to your kids since we started yeah. on that. So that's funny. Um, how, how do you spell Mason? You spell it different, right? We spell it with an I. It's with an my I. Uh, it's my wife's grandmother's maiden name, and oh, cool. it was a, it was really cool that when uh, when Mason was actually born, he's got the blue eyes and the thin lips. He looks exactly like his uh, uh, great grandmother. So it, okay. it was kind of a a cool little treat when uh, when everything kind of came together. Yeah, for sure. That's cool. Yeah, Mason. My Mason is is. Um, traditional m-a-s-o-n yeah i don't know if you can call that traditional i'm not sure if mason's a traditional name yet or not it seems like it's it's more and more common but um that's funny my nephew is also parko parker which is is super cool um but my mason is eight years old almost nine okay. gonna be nine in september and uh yeah going into third grade so he's wow. he's very self-sufficient he wipes his own butt i uh, he pretty much feeds himself <laughs> really i just you know, I'm just here in case of emergencies, to be honest with you. There you go. Uh, but no, the other thing, um, the, can you talk a little bit more about the, your, your role? Um, so would you consider yourself an uh, industrial setting at the, the job that you're at with athletic yep, training? It's, I, I'm in a, I am a industrial sports medicine practitioner. Um, the uh, company I work for is uh, pretty much nationwide. They have contracts with power companies, food manufacturing, uh, things like that. So um, we refer to our clients as um, uh, industrial athletes. And that's that's really what they are. They are an industrial athlete. And a lot of what we treat 
it's the same thing that we would treat with our um, um, our athletes in the athletic training room. So you're overused, your traumatic crush injuries, your ankle sprains. Um, but the really cool thing is in the setting I'm at, I can treat them for what they do at home. So playing around with their kids, uh, sprain their knee, sprain their ankle, um, doing a construction project. Maybe they build a deck um, and got hurt over the weekend. Um, I can come, uh, they can come in, see me, and I can work with them on their work time and get them healthy so that they're not going to get injured at work. And it's a, it's a really uh, fulfilling setting. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And so you, you're, you know, you're pretty much traditional athletic training though, like, right? Like, so you're assessing, you're evaluating and you're rehabbing like the whole spectrum. um, There's a little caveat because when you get hurt at work, you have to follow the OSHA guidelines, which are mainly, um, so if you get hurt on the job, you, um, as a industrial sports medicine professional, I have to follow the OSHA first aid requirements. Um, If I don't follow those and it becomes a recordable injury and then um, a whole other cascade of events has to happen. But if we can keep it in the first aid, um, then we don't have to go down the OSHA route. Uh, whereas if they got hurt at home, then I function exactly, uh, exactly like you said, like a regular athletic trainer with an overseeing physician and SOP. That's cool. That's cool. Um, what are your What do your hours look like? Uh, they're They're tiny. Um, there's just one facility in the area, uh, so I'm two hours a day, two days a week uh, okay. for right now with with them. And uh, it's been really cool because I get to stay at home with the kids most of the time. Yeah, for sure. And obviously, um, you know, you, you already talked about your, your other side hustles and, and main hustles, I guess you would actually call main it. Main hustle right uh, now. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of new. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about more about that and what you're doing? Any cool projects you got going on? So I, um, before everything happened, I had a really cool um, mini session kind of theme shoot in the works. It was uh, all Star Wars themed um, lightsabers, battles. Uh, we did the uh, we did the demo shoot in the middle of the woods. We had to hike in all the gear, the fog machine. Everything was all battery powered, and uh, we we had a blast. I had my uh, nephews out, my kids out, and uh, yeah, epic um, epic yeah. Uh, lightsaber battles in the woods of Penn Hills. <laughs> I saw some of those pictures. Those were pretty cool. That was really cool. Um, you, you do a really good job with that stuff. How, how did you, you get into photography? So I got into it um, when I was really young. My uncle was a um, videographer for a, a news station and uh, got me my first camera and taught me kind of how to shoot. And then through high school and college, kind of developed it. Uh, shot for the Duquesne Duke when I was at Duquesne. Okay. And um, used the extra money to pay for books and lab fees. And then after college, it kind of... Um, it kind of went away. I focused on athletic training, did some, uh, did some fun stuff, got into some trouble. And then, um, I got back into it when Parker was born. Nice. Nice. Um, so that, that kind of transitions. Well, I'm, I'm curious, how did you get into athletic training? What, what, what was, you know, obviously you had the passion for photography and, 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 you know, you, you have other passions, but you know, what, what about athletic training, you know, called you and was like, Hey, this is, this is for me. So I, I blame getting into athletic training uh, on my high school athletic trainer, Matt Tinky. And uh, he listens to the podcast, hopefully, and uh, he's, he's going to kind of uh, hate me for this. But he got me into it. Um, when, we were at, uh, when I was at Vincentian uh, playing some sports, not very well. Um, I was uh, hurt a couple times. I was thinking about going into medicine, and uh, he got me shadowing and um kind of caught the bug and I liked it and Duquesne had a good program so going from that Vincentian Academy to Duquesne worked out really well and uh yeah the rest was history I had so much fun with it um I I always liked just the um 
the the social not the social aspect of it but just being around um people that want to get better and the things that you can do with somebody that's willing to be involved in their care uh you can just do so much more which is which is really fun that is cool and now are you still part of the Bear Essentials crew? I, I know you. I've seen a lot of fi- uh, p- pictures on social media with you there. Do yep. you still help out with that as well? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we're completely shut down right now. Our first event might not be till September, and that one's even kind of um, uh, touch and go right now. We're going to see what happens with the uh, with the virus and everything. Um, but still traveling with them. Um, I uh, I used to do more. Uh, we used to do the big long events uh, like USA Nationals and USA Open. Um, but I'm doing more of the regional stuff now with the kids. Um, so I'm not away from home as often. Yeah, for sure. For as long. For sure. I mean, that, that stuff looks really cool. I've seen some pictures of you on social media. Um, you know, it's, it gets pretty, it gets pretty gnarly. The, uh, um, our back outside of college, uh, when I first started working with Trish, um, we were, I was doing a lot of the action sports stuff, the, uh, BMX, the skateboarding, the FMX, which is absolutely insane. Um, I want to see, I want to see somebody try to, uh, throw a 250 pound bike over their head, <sighs> gapping a hundred foot at 60 miles an hour. It, it is, it is insane what those guys can do, um, with a motorcycle and, um, and they pay for it. I mean, it's, it's yeah. punishing and the, the, the trauma that, that you see and the, um, the injuries that you deal with, uh, they were uh, career shaping that early on in my career. Yeah, I'm I'm super curious about that. That was something I've I've always been into, you know, like snowboarding and BMX and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I, as I got out of college as well, I was I was always interested in maybe getting into that. Um, just never understood or knew how to get my foot in the door. So I, I you know, super jealous that you got to do that. Um, any really you know, like anything you could like share, any cool stories or, or you know, like anything that you want to talk about there? Because I, like I said, I think that's just awesome. Like, what's some of the coolest stuff you've seen? So the coolest stuff I, I, I got to see, um, I was invited to the inaugural uh, season of the Winter Dew Tour and awesome. uh, got to travel to some really cool snow resorts. Um, my favorite one was oh, Breckenridge. So <laughs> That's literally my spent, life. That's awesome. I spent a week in um, Breckenridge where my commute to work was by snowboard. We'd, uh, we'd ride the gondola up to the top and we snowboard down to the venue and um, it was cold. I remember yeah. we were doing a um, a photo shoot uh, one light one night. I think it was like midnight, one a.m. in the morning. It got down to negative eighteen. And yeah. if you've ever wondered at what temperature does soda freeze, and it, it's negative eighteen because I had a whole <laughs> case of Mountain Dew behind me just explode no in way. the uh, warming tent. Yeah, it was <laughs> snowing Mountain Dew for like an hour. Right. It just pop pop pop. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the Dew Tour. <laughs> exactly. 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 Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I, I, like you said, that, that, that was something I've always been interested in and, and, and wish I could have got in. Uh, I think I might be you still can. Um, yeah. X games, X games has a, I don't want to say an internship program, but they have, um, they have a hierarchy where you go up, you can go volunteer and then continue on from there. Um, do tour. Um, I don't uh, travel with them anymore, but there's kind of the same thing. They take resumes and, um, and that and Barry Essentials is another one of the bigger companies that does um, more of the action sports. And then yeah. she does stuff with USA Taekwondo and uh, AAU um, yeah. a lot as well. No. Yeah. And, and I mean, do you, do you mind talking about that company at all? Cause I just, I find like, that's pretty cool. Um, is that Barry Essentials? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, I, Barry just, C- I I've seen yeah, some so, stuff on her again. I, I follow you guys on social media and, and obviously talking to you and, and some of your experiences, it just seems really cool. Um, and that's, that's not a, 
it's not a traditional setting, right? Like it is, but no, it's, absolutely it's not, not. The setup isn't, and and I don't think you know. I, I just I'm I'm really a, an advocate for for athletic trainers to get outside of that traditional setting and and own their own business. Like you know, that, yep. I think that's really valuable. And and to hear you know how she did it or or anything about that, I think would be great for the listeners. Yeah. So she started with about I think it was about 20, 25 years ago at this point. Um, and uh, her. Her goal is to provide low cost or no cost uh, athletic training services to grassroots sporting events. So a lot of the events that we do, um, we either do for travel expenses for our athletic trainers um, or some kind of trade-off for, um, um, for gear or anything. Anything that the event can do because these events, they're, they're very extreme, not to overuse the word, but... Um, these these athletes need the help and um and it, especially at the grass grassroots level um so we use our big events our big headliner events to help fund the rest of the year for the smaller events and not only do we get to go and experience these cool events but we get teamed up with um practitioners from all over the country and we have um learning opportunities while we're there. Every morning we do a debriefing from the day before, and then we tackle a topic, whether it's spine boarding, equipment removal, um, advanced airway techniques. Um, uh, we did uh, Epstein-Barr, uh, not Epstein-Barr, Epsilon-Barr, uh, so T-wave uh, dysfunction. Uh, we had an uh, athlete okay. that yep. got sick once um, during a major competition, and, and that was the end ending factor. So the next day we had a whole uh, our ER physician had a whole kind of talk on what we looked out for, what we did right, what we possibly could have done better, um, and then what the ultimate um, follow-up care is going to be for that athlete and their prognosis in the sport. Um, so every every event you go to, you're going to learn something new. Uh, you're going to work with different uh, practitioners, everywhere from uh, nurses to PTs, athletic trainers, ER physicians, chiropractors, and uh, the big main take home is we don't put our degrees on our name tags. Okay. So it doesn't matter who you see as part of the team. We all work together to provide the best care that we can for that athlete. So um, no one takes claim of the athlete. No one says, oh, this treatment's better than that one. We, we all work as a team. And, and really that true sports medicine team happens. And I, I've never seen it deployed better than it is there. Yeah. No, that, that, that seems like a really cool experience. Um, like I said, one, you're, you're, you're at these events that are just again, outside the box. Um, mm -hmm. and then to have that kind of interaction with other healthcare professionals and on that level, and, and then the, the educational piece on top of that, I, I just like, that sounds super cool. And again, like I, uh, I said before, like, um, you know, just seeing some of the pictures of, of you and, and some of the other team members there and the different events is, you know, I said, very jealous that that seems like an awesome opportunity. Yep. And with someone as a uh, a fear of heights, getting getting up at the start box, thirty foot up, where the only way down is like a fifteen foot gap onto a dirt pile, like that that's some crazy stuff. Absolutely. Like even even to be the athletic trainer there, um, I remember Mount Snow. It was double black diamonds just to get down to the start block um, where where I was stationed, and then I had a crew of four or five athletic trainers stationed around the course and. Like once you once you set in, you're pretty much there for the day. So you okay. got to have all your stuff. You uh, if you respond, everyone rotates down, and then you cycle back up to the top and get in line and just kind of keep working down oh, the hill. Yeah, because no, gravity sense. gravity pulls you down. You can't really get back up on these uh, on yeah. these courses sometimes. Yeah. yeah, I mean that would be a hell of a hike. 
Um, have you ever had to spine board somebody on snow, ice? Multiple like times, that? multiple yeah. times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some unique challenges there, I'm sure. Is that is there is so, there a specific technique to that or or anything? Uh, just watch out for gravity. Gravity is mm -hmm. going to bring everything downhill. So when you're spine boarding, uh, you just have to take that into account. Um, luckily, the courses are all are normally groomed. Mm -hmm. um, half pipes aren't crazy steep. Um, now, if they're laying like sideways, like perpendicular to the half pipe, yeah, trying to get them to roll and not continue to roll, that's, that's an issue. But if they're like up and down, it would be the same as, um, I guess you could say, um, like a bike event or um, in a foam pit. Yeah. Same, kind of, same kind of situations there. You are talking about collaboration with other healthcare workers. Um, how about like uh, ski patrol? Was there a lot of interaction with them? Obviously like they're probably more, yep. uh, you know, adapted to those situations and, and, you know, have the ability to then transport after the, the, the boarding has happened. Exactly. So we, we work really closely with our skilled professionals. So, and for the snow events, obviously we have our ski patrol on site. Uh, we may be running the medical, but whenever there's a trauma that requires transport, we, we hand everything over to them and we are there to assist them because they're the ones that are going to be, um, they spine board on snow more often than we do. Uh, they're the ones that know their equipment, know how to package an athlete to get them off the, uh, off the mountain safely. And uh, ultimately they're the ones that, um, that need to be in control. So we'll pass control on to them. We'll assist them in any way we can. Um, and this goes, um, and this is after, a lot of planning meetings, sitting down with them, uh, talking about what they need from us, what we need from them. Um, it, it's the communication part of it's very important. Uh, yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's just like, you know, football, like you have to mm -hmm. bring the, you know, ambulance crew in and make sure you have that communication. You go over your emergency action plan and you just, you, you know, the more Absolutely. practice you have, the better you're going to be at it. Yep. And the more communication you have with everybody involved, you know, you don't, you don't want anything to go awry that day of, yep. right? No, nothing different than than your uh, Friday night lights. Yeah, yeah. Minus the several degree slope and some ice and snow and cold temperatures. But otherwise, been, exactly. The same. Say, it sounds like you haven't been to Western Pennsylvania in a while. It gets cold. Uh, yeah, no, it gets cold here. It gets cold here too. But um, no, yeah. So Phil. So how about of, you? Yeah. How about me? What do you want? How to know? about you? So. Um, you have a fun little side hustle I've been seeing pop up on Instagram lately. Yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit about, um, about that. Yeah. So, um, traditionally, obviously, you know, my, my main hustle is athletic training. So I work at Dickinson college. It's a small D three school here in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Um, have pretty competitive sports for D three, but, uh, at some point in my career, I, so this is what I always say is I hate to do my job. Right. So I hate, I hate doing athletic training because that means if I'm doing my job, somebody is, is not playing the sport that they love. Right. So somebody got injured. Now I'm, I have my athletic trainer hat on and I have to rehab them and I have to, you know, they're probably not going to be participating. If they are participating, they're not participating at full, you know, at full level, hundred percent um, ready to go. So at some point in my career early on, I, I realized that, that putting more time into the preventative side of things paid off dividends and, and exponentially I saw, you know, less and less injuries. So I took it upon myself to, to figure out how to, how do I prevent these injuries? Like I was just seeing way too much. Like, you know, we had, we used to have so many ACL injuries. I mean, it, so I, my earlier in my career, I, I used to work with football and lacrosse, uh, men's lacrosse, well, men's and women's lacrosse, but um, we, we would see so many 
ACL injuries. And I was like, this just isn't normal. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, I dug in and, and I taught myself strength conditioning. I, you know, I got a certification through the NASM. I have my performance um, enhancement specialist certification. Nice. That's kind of where I got started in that. And then just uh, reading blogs and, and just learning everything about sports performance. And it, it became a passion. Um, so everything bioenergetics, um, biomechanics, nutrition, recovery. Like I, I just, I found the more and more I educated myself on topics outside of just athletic training. And the more I can involve those into my, my model as an athletic trainer, the less injuries I saw and the less I actually had to do my athletic training job. Right. Like, so I still love to, to, to rehab injuries. I still love working with athletes. Like that's, that is my primary role and that, you know, we're never going to be able to prevent all injuries. Um, but the, the more work I put on, put in, in the off season and, and teaching these kids how to move really well, um, how to, you know, get strong in good positions, how to sprint with really good technique. Mm-hmm. Um, so all these, you know, just traditional uh, fundamental strength conditioning principles I found were really successful at preventing injuries and the less I had to do. So going back to your original question of, of, of the side hustle. Um, so over the years, I've, I've, I've always had clients here and there that just kind of, you know, I would have one or two and in the summer times I would always work with high school kids um, but you know, with the, the time off here and, and not having as much responsibility through my, my primary role, um, I really dove into trying to develop an online training platform. Um, so richmondtrainingsystems.com, if anybody wants to check it out, um, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's meant to be for athletes and for adult athletes, right? So, um, anybody and anybody that identifies as some type of athlete, I'm here to help you train. Um, so my model is again, biomechanics, bioenergetics, um, nutrition, load management, okay. recovery, and mental health. So I try to know uh, a little bit or at least enough to try to help guide you through any of those, um, buckets is, is basically how I call it. Um, and, and that kind of really is a whole picture of what an athlete to me should look like and, and how to, to manage them. Um, so, yeah, so I've been putting a lot of effort into that, trying to get some clients. So what do you, um, what do you see as one of the biggest limiting factor for your athletes? Uh, biggest limiting factors in performance or injury? Yeah. In performance. In performance. Um, so again, I'm at the D three level. So I, and so I, again, I, I used to work with football and, and, and men's lacrosse. Let's stick with those two as an example. Um, so you have the football athletes, right. That have been in the weight room their whole life. Like that's, that's mm-hmm. just the mentality of football is you're in the weight room and you just work your ass off. Um, with those athletes, I honestly, I think their limiting factor is, is the weight room probably did more harm than good. Um, okay. Yeah. So you know, if you just load the body up with a lot of weight, like let's use a back squat for an example. If you just load as much weight on the bar as possible and have no, um, no, no regard for form or technique, you're going to lock yourself into some really bad patterns and actually limit your range of motion. So, you know, when people are like, oh, my hips are super tight, you know, I can't touch my toes, stuff like that. Well, you know, when you're in this giant anterior pelvic tilt and have this giant lumbar lordosis, because that's the strategy you've used to stabilize your spine, because you put 500 pounds on your back all the time and just, you know, just effort, you know, just go deeper and, and go go farther and, and, and lift more. Um, I think that that locks them up and, and pre disposes yeah. them to, to injury for sure. Um, and then the other side of it, I think it with, with my athletes, especially female athletes and, um, 
uh, lacrosse as well. Lacrosse isn't too bad. Like the, a lot of the, them have been exposed to the weight room, but not enough. You know, it's not, it's, it's not every athlete that I get has been in the weight room before. Um, so not okay. having any, any tissue tolerance built up for, for weight training. Like I think, I mean, the, the, re, the research is out, like, like just good solid weight training alone does prevent injuries. Like I, I think I can, I can confidently say that, um, you know, and, and have evidence to back that up. So just having some exposure to that and, and, and being prepared to come into a college season and a college setting. Um, I, I feel like sometimes that's limiting and they just haven't been exposed to good training um, early enough in their life. They've just, you know, specialized in their yeah. sport and never actually trained, you know, more general patterns. They become too specific too quick. So, see, that's interesting. We, um, with uh, Barry Essentials, are with our elite athletes, we almost train them into some of those dysfunctions. So if you think of someone your size, you know, you're what, five, six, five, eight, um, our BMXers. Like say I'm six foot. Six foot. <laughs> I might not be anymore, but my driver's license says six foot, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because I've never actually met you in person. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. I'm six foot. <clears throat> six foot. All right. So six imagine foot, you're buck six 75. foot. Buck 75 riding a BMX bike because mm -hmm. you're a freestyle BMXer. If, um, if you don't have that rounded over and that posterior pelvic tilt, you're not going to be able to position yourself on, on your bike for your backflip. So if me as an athletic trainer or um, a personal trainer working these athletes out, you know, we're taught, okay, we have to correct, uh, correct the mirror muscles, stretch uh, the tight muscles, strengthen the weak overused muscles. And um, just, you can't do that with our pro BMXers because then we're going to put them in a position. Now they can't get into their stance and they're not going to be able to pull like they used to. So it's, that's a really cool, like, that's a, a really neat dichotomy that, that athletic training allows us to do, in my opinion. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, uh, the research is, is still out on does posture matter, right? Like a lot of people are talking about like posture isn't indicative of, of pain. And, and, and I can agree with that, but at the same time, posture does matter. Your, your, your movement patterns matter, your available yep. range of motion matters. So like, I, I look at it from a movement variability lens where if you have variability at the joints, then you're not taking the same path, right? So if, if, if you, if you don't have variability, you're going to, your body's going to take the path of least resistance and you're going to over mm -hmm. or overuse that path, right? Like that's your only strategy. If I can give you more variability, I think give you more joint range of motion, then you have more options and you don't have to run down that same. I, I always call, talk about like a deer path, right? Like you, you can see in the woods where the deer just go back and forth, back and forth, right? You don't want yep. to wear a deer path down in your joints, right? And I think that's what we do. We, we lose our variability and we don't have options available to us. So we use the same strategy over and over again. And then that's when eventually tissue damage or pain or however we want to talk about pain. Cause that's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. Whole nother, we kind of yep. already touched on once, but you know, there's still more out there on that. You can go on forever with that. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. Finding, finding the, uh, the, uh, um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. So that's 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 what I'm passionate about. Um, you know, not just athletic training. And I honestly, I, I get, I'm not upset. Like athletic training is is, I love it. It's it is it is who I am. Um, but I get I get annoyed sometimes when people talk about um, we shouldn't be call ourselves trainers. We're not trainers. Like, and we and we we advocate that we're like better than trainers. And and that that I don't think is the right mindset either because I know some really 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 smart 
personal trainers that have, some of them don't even have a, a bachelor's degree, but they've taken it upon themselves to go out and learn their craft and know just as much science and math and everything yep. else that, you know, the people that have these degrees do. Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm very anti degree certification, kind of like you were saying earlier, right? Like we're all just under that healthcare umbrella. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think we need to have these buckets where, you know, it's, it's PT versus AT versus MD versus, you know, versus OT. Yep. Like we all, we, you know, if, if you understand the inflammatory response, I think that's one, like that's like, you need to know that you need to know tissue healing times. But beyond that, there's so many three letter acronyms out there and certifications and things that you can do to, to, to understand the body and, and to, to help people. And I think if, if you really just want to help people, then I, I don't care what certification you have. I don't care what your job title is. Like, just help people and but stay stay in your scope right like don't do anything right. illegal like if you don't have a license to touch people don't touch people right like and i'm not saying inappropriately touch people that's not what i meant phil um but you know what i mean manual therapy yeah. right like if you don't have yeah. to, if you if you can't do a hands-on assessment like don't don't do that but there's other ways to do movement screens there's other ways to test range of motion that don't require you to touch people um and, and there's a lot of really good active um techniques out there that don't require manual therapy to, to recapture these ranges of motion to, to help people move better to get them out of pain um, and again I you know I just I, I get frustrated when, when we advocate ourselves as athletic trainers and we're so much better than personal trainers and, and again yes we have more help we have more um, education we, we do have a license to, to provide health care and to treat people in pain which is, is definitely different than personal training but I just I, I don't think it's the right vibe or the right message to be saying that we're better than them or at least that's the, the vibe I pick up whenever that that conversation happens I, I think the focus seems to be on the athlete and the end goal who um, what specialty what subspecialty is going to provide the most beneficial care uh, for the athlete for this specific case for that specific athlete and and honestly if it's sending them over to uh, to the trainer to to work on um, plyometric landing um, to work on transitioning from the stance to the explosion phase you know um, can me Philip Hensler athletic trainer do that better than the strength conditioning coach probably not uh, right. I mean I have my PES uh, my background's more emergency medicine so um, I have I have the letter, but you know, in my opinion, that letter I, I don't utilize it as much as someone else like yourself that's that's working with individual clients on a daily or weekly basis. So why would I do that when I can push it on to someone else who can do it better? And then I get that athlete back ten times faster, ten times better, and now I can push them through more of the the. Um, uh, the transition phase and then get them back cleared with the physician. So, I mean, that's, I, I think the role of an athletic trainer is that um, organizer of care. That, and, and you bring up a good topic there, right? Like uh, the, the emergency care piece, right? And that, that's something else that sets us up differently than other healthcare professions, right? Um, you know, like PTs, docs, even a little bit, I mean, depending, you know, what setting they're in, but they don't get the the sideline emergency care education right. like athletic trainers do. So that definitely is something that sets us up, um, apart from other professions. Um, and, and some, you know, I, I think that's a something that ATA has kind of been talking about it, or maybe it's the BOC. I'm not sure which one, but you know, them having more specialty routes in within athletic training. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and I think that, I, I think that's a great idea. I don't know, you know, I don't have the answers of how to do that. Um, but you know, like, 
I, I obviously know the emergency care piece of it, but that isn't my specialty. I'm, I'm probably the opposite of you then, Phil, right? Like yep. I, I, I'm on the sidelines and, and obviously like I stay up to date on that, but that's not my passion. Like I'm, you know, I, I, I do it because it's part of the job, but my passion is the rehab, the, the strength conditioning, the preventative yep. stuff. Um, so, and, and I think that's okay. Right. I think we should all have our, our passions and, and our expertise. And then if we can all come together and share those ideas and, and, and just make everybody better. Right. But yeah, I think yep. that, that's a, uh, a good, good point to make there. I, I like how you hit on the share. Um, I had the opportunity, uh, when I was working with UPMC to develop a on ice fine boarding program with the, um, with one of the local sports teams. And the goal was, was initially to uh, work with our local EMS to develop the ice hockey protocols um, that we used and then disseminate it in within our staff. And the program, I never thought it would take off as quick as it did. It went from uh, a concept that we were going to do just for EMS, just to, you know, introduce them to athletic trainers and work with them to um, I think this year I'm no longer with them, but I believe this year they um, taught the program to four of the local um, uh, university athletic training groups uh, within the area. So they're taking that information that the committee put together the program that was developed by the committee and then they, they've been sharing it all over Western Pennsylvania into Ohio um, and I think we've, yeah, I've, we've even done stuff at the college level with uh, like people from West Virginia, Maryland, Virginia, New York. And it was, uh, it was a really cool event. It was a really cool program. I'm glad to see that it's still going because the, the sharing of the information, I, I think is the most important part. Because yep. like you said, we have a lot of just different subspecialties that we enjoy. And I'm never going to be an expert on strength and conditioning. I, I know that, but that doesn't mean somebody else isn't. I could take something from there incorporate it in my practice and then when i hit a roadblock let's refer out to that practitioner that can and now we've just expanded our sports medicine team one more person and just made that team that much stronger that much more diverse and uh that much more effective for absolutely yeah no, I, I completely agree. Um, I think the sharing of, of, of knowledge is, is what it's all about. And then being open-minded to other people yeah. and, and having, you know, it's, it's great that you share your expertise, but you need to be open-minded to, to other people's expertise. Um, Cause obviously everybody has something that you can, you can take away. Um, yeah. I thought I had another thought there with that, but now I lost it. Phil. <laughs> Jeez. Happens. Happens. Eh, it happens. But um, yeah. Yeah. What else? You so got? how did you get a, how'd you get into athletic training? Good question. Good question. So I, I grew up in Juniata County. I went to East Juniata High School, which is in the middle of nowhere of Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, you got Philly and you got Pittsburgh. I'm like right in the middle, like nothing right. else there. Um, no, so I, I, um, I had a, a, um, an assignment and I think it was my junior year, maybe my senior year. I don't remember specifics, but we had to pick a, a job, right? Like, what do you want to do with your life? And my cousin had just enrolled in Lockhaven university um, and was going for athletic training. I was like, I don't really know anything about this. We didn't even have an athletic trainer at the time in my high school. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I honestly had no idea what, what athletic training even was. And so I started doing some research and, and writing this paper on it. And again, it was like, either I think I want to say it was my junior year. It had to be junior year. Um, and yeah, I just kind of found lows. I was like, perfect. Like I, I was smart enough that I, I, I could pretty much, um, you know, 
if I wanted to be in healthcare, like I could kind of pick, you know, PAPT, like I, I wasn't worried about grades or anything like that. And I, I just fell, fell in love with the aspect of still working as, as with athletes, right? Like I grew up playing mm -hmm. sports. I played soccer. I wrestled. I played baseball earlier on, but, but not, you know, not later in high school. Um, probably could have played in college if I, if I really had pursued it. Um, again, can't coming from the middle of nowhere, I didn't, I didn't know how to get recruited. Right. So like, I, I remember growing up and thinking if I was good enough, they, the, the colleges just call you, right. They just, they find out about you and they give you a call and say, Adam, you need to come play soccer for us. Right. But that's obviously not how it works. Right. You actually have to like send letters and videos and do all that, which I did, I did none of. So obviously didn't get recruited. Um, and I was a little burnt out at that time. I played a lot of soccer growing up like year round and stuff. So, um, just decided to, um, do athletic training. And, and I thought, you know, this would be good. So I went to Lock Haven University. I have a bachelor's in health nice. science um, with a concentration on athletic training. And then after that, I went on and did a year at East Stroudsburg, um, 13 month accelerated program um, and got my master's in athletic training as well. And then I started working at Dickinson right after that and have been here okay. ever since. Um, so not a lot of um, different jobs, but again, you know, I've fallen in love with Dickinson college. It's a great little school um, has, you know, the athletes are super committed to not only academics, but also their sport. Um, so it's, it, it's not elite athletes, but it's pretty dang close. Um, and, okay. and again, they, they treat it that way, which, which, you know, is, is great to work with athletes that, that really have the desire to put work in and, and put the effort in and, and be, you know, the masters at their craft. Um, and, and that's honestly how I got into the strength conditioning piece too. And, and I know I kind of already went down this rabbit hole, but you know, being at a D3 school, like you talked about re referring out and actually that, that's now it's all coming full circle. That's what I was going to talk about there a, a second ago, you know, being able to have the, the knowledge to know when you don't know and to refer out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I unfortunately just didn't have any place to refer out to being in, again, Carlisle's not a really big area so not a lot of referrals um, we don't have a strength conditioning coach we don't have a nutritionist so it's not like the one where you know you only have to wear one hat and then you can you know refer to somebody else yep. that has that expertise you know i just i was i got really frustrated and, and decided that if i was going to do this right i needed to be able to wear all the hats um because mm -hmm. i didn't have anybody to refer to um so yeah that's that's kind of coming full circle there you know knowing not knowing when you don't know and if you don't know go figure it out <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that's, that's one of the coolest things about athletic trainers. We have the skill set to be able to pick up the information on stuff that we don't know, figure out if you need to be licensed or certified in, in that subspecialty, and then be able to implement it uh, through our SOP and under the direction of our physicians. It's, it's amazing the skills that we can pick up and the skills that I've picked up along the way, just everything from, you know, kinesio tape to, um, uh, introduction to cupping, Graston, or PRT, uh, things like that, where, you know, you, you get that introduction, you you try it in, in your setting, if it's find it beneficial, then you go seek the, uh, seek the certifying requirements. Yeah. Yep. Completely agree. Huge nerd, huge nerd. I go to, <laughs> I, I read, I do online stuff. I, I, for a, for a while there, I was addicted to going to courses. Um, yeah. it was a, a bit of a yeah. financial burden because they're super expensive, but, um, yeah, there was, there's probably like two years where I was going to probably three, three to five courses every year and just, you know, felt like I needed to, I needed that next certification. I needed, and, and yep. I, 
it was helpful and and I, I obviously learned a lot but at this point like i feel like i've i've accumulated enough knowledge that now i need to actually practically use it and 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 refine my skills right mm-hmm. um but yeah no i, I love all that stuff Super yeah that's nerd. awesome so um you're also um so you're on the pats tech committee that's kind of oh, where yeah. where the podcast started but you also you're also on a couple other committees what else are you doing for the state <laughs> yeah just um right now just just the the technology committee with with you and and then the podcast and then um i am on the convention committee um right now i am the the one of of three um, programming committee it's like a subcommittee within the convention committee right so okay. my responsibility is to or, or my committee's responsibility is to find the speakers for the convention so our annual symposium okay. every year um, our job is we we basically send out a call for proposals i'm sure you all have seen that um, so we ask our membership to submit proposals if they want to speak if they have a topic that they are passionate about and experts in um, we ask you to to step up and speak at the annual convention um, and then who, whatever spots we don't fill, then it's our responsibility to go out and find people. Um, and we try to, we try to find people that, you know, uh, have pertinent information that is, is timely, right. That is, you know, things that, that are hot topics in athletic training at the time. Um, and we, uh, you know, obviously I'm patting myself on the back here, but I think we put on a pretty good show. I think we, we usually get pretty good speakers and the, the rate, you know, the, I, I don't know the, the stats off the top of my head, but you know, the, the per the, the dollar per CEU is, is very low. So you get a lot of yes. CEUs and yes. you get a lot of EBPs um, for a very low cost. Um, and then obviously this year it was, it was um, virtual. Um, and I know, thought you guys did a fantastic job. I don't know who put that, that whole program together, but um, Melissa and I, my wife uh, is also an athletic trainer. Uh, we, we were at the table down here in the studio Um I think Parker even joined in for a little bit watching it up on the, uh, up on the big screen. And uh, it was, uh, it was a very well run. Like sometimes these online forums, they're, they're not super smooth. You have the tech issues, you have the, the moderators that maybe aren't as comfortable doing it virtually. I, I think you guys absolutely nailed it. It was a fantastic program. I enjoyed the three hours. It was, Thank you. Um, it was well worth the time. So obviously a lot of work, um, on the back end to, to get that all together. Um, I cannot take complete credit for that. Obviously was, was part of it. Um, you know, Scott Hendricks, Liz Golick or Liz Everett. Sorry. That was their maiden name. Um, um, yeah, a lot of Jess bomb. Um, trying to think if I'm missing, any, um, Becky Mokris for CU. I mean, like just a ton of people put a lot of work and effort into that to make it happen. Um, and, and it did, it went flawless Phil. Like, and, and I, again, like, probably 90% of that was luck. We, so we were, you know, we, we, you should have been part of the, the conversations the days, the couple of days before, like the, the first time we got on the webinar, like it was a mess. Like we, we mm-hmm. had no clue what we were doing. Like, we're like, Oh, how do we, how do we do that? Like we need to make you a panelist. And uh, it was a mess. And then the next yep. time we did it, it got a little bit better, but yeah, I, I don't know how it happened, but it went, it went absolutely flawless on the well, day. I don't know how much, is- I don't know how much time you guys put into it, but it definitely showed on on the live yeah. production. Um, I, I thought it was great. I, I remember when when you guys were talking about doing it virtually, um, I threw my name in the hat. I was like, all right, hey, this is my idea. Um, obviously, it didn't go with that, and I couldn't be more happy. Like, like <laughs> seeing how you guys were able to do it. Like, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there during the second EVP, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if I could have done anywhere close to as good as this. So I, I how whoever you guys had, um, it was it was whatever, literally just Zoom webinar. Did, it was fantastic. Yeah. yeah, 
Yep. I never knew Zoom could do the webinar. That's so, awesome. Uh, yeah, it's an upgrade. And and yeah, again, a lot of that is the technology. Like we can't take credit for that. It, it, it did, it worked really well, but um, yeah. Like but then was, there's all the behind the scenes, uh, getting the questions to the, yeah. uh, from the moderator to the uh, the speaker, organizing everything. Yep. You know, that that's a lot of behind the scenes work. And I don't think a, a lot of people r would recognize that. And, yeah. and no, it was I, I absolutely flawless. That. Yep, I, I, I agree. I, I again like it was it was good. Uh, I'm I'm glad we did it. I don't want to speak um I can't speak out of turn and, and and say this is what we're gonna do, but I, I would love to see some type of, of online format, you know, moving forward just because it did yeah, I'd, I'd, I would absolutely love that. I oh, the, I don't know the what the numbers were. were. Um, it, it so would be really cool to see how many people actually logged in and, and I, I what it was. Say, I want to say it was at least 600 at one point. Um, it, it was it was around there, and our numbers are usually like I want to say between two and three live, 200, yeah. 300 live, and sometimes not even that, depending where it's at. Um, so yeah, I, I would love to see. And again, I, I'm not I'm not promising this. I'm not I'm not. I'm, this is my opinion, not the board's or anybody <laughs> else's. I don't want to get in trouble. Um, but yeah, I would love to see some type of 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 webinar format even if it's maybe you know the speaker and, and we're live streaming it so you can i don't know See, i don't know the answer but i i absolutely love going to live conferences the the interaction between the professionals and the networking that you get to do there can't be beat on any platform any any kind of uh virtual meetup as it can in person yep. but there are just sometimes you just you want to get your ceus and you want to there's a topic that you really want but you can't whether it's the travel expenses yeah. or the, the timing. Um, I mean, I've got two kids going right. away for weekends, like impossible. I don't think we yep. have in three years. Um, so to be able to that, Melissa and I were both able to, to get it. I, I think um, almost, I, it would be really cool to see a, a mesh moving forward yep. where, you know, we have the live, but then we're also streaming it and you can kind of pick and choose which, which one you want to want to go do. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Like I said, I, I hope that we can incorporate that on some level. Um, obviously, you know, the webinar is is probably easier. The way we did it there would be easier than trying to go both routes, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, you know, live streaming, I, I don't know what that would actually entail. But if we can do it, I think just from the, the sheer numbers and, and financially, it would it would help. Um, and yeah, again, I, I just I, did, I got so much I good feedback. That. I did it once. It's hard when you're presenting in front of a group of people and then you have a camera on you. It's like, okay, who am I presenting to? Am I presenting to the camera? Am I yeah. presenting live? And then you're getting like questions from the remote audience. Hey, I, I didn't see that clip on that helmet. Can you, can you show it to me? So you're showing it up to the camera, but that's not the camera that's displaying on your overhead for the in-house crew. And it's like, yeah, it was weird. It was and like, that's it. So like you would have to have somebody actually manning like it, the, it's the you would have to have stream. a production staff. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then in person, Pat's, we usually have or not always, but there's there's most of the time we have two different sessions running at the same time. Yep. So, that so it's would be double difficult. the gear, double the bandwidth. Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot, of, a lot of stuff there, but it gets we hard can figure and then, it out or maybe even, you know, I don't know, maybe record them. And then, and then, um, you know, put them up for online available. education later, yeah, like a yep, teachable.com yep. kind of thing. Yep. We, and we, yeah. we used to record them. We never did anything with it. And then we stopped recording them because we never did anything with it, but that might be something that comes back. I don't know. Hey, we so, have the YouTube channel now. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Cool. Yeah. That was pretty so, good. So yeah. Um, I, you got know, something else? I mean, coolest experience as an AT. 
coolest experience. That's those, a those tough like, question. Some of the like, lightning round questions. Those are those are the fun ones. I know. Um, coolest experience, man. I didn't have anything prepared. Um, uh, coolest experience. I mean, I'm 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 a sucker. I like to win, Phil. Um, so championships <laughs> for me, honestly. Um, Centennial Conference championships, making runs into the NCAA. Um, I, I, we, our men's lacrosse program is, is usually nationally ranked and, and very, very good and, and love those guys. Um, it's like a family and, and I, they've, you know, really adopted me as, as one of them. And, um, so anytime we're, we're, we're having a successful year, um, again, yeah, I just, I love the win. I love championships. Like that's what we're out there for, right? Like we put so much work in the off season. We, we train, we do sprint work, you know, we're mm-hmm. rehabbing stuff. Like, so to see, to see athletes be successful on the field and, and win championships is just a lot of fun. That's awesome. How about you? What's, what's, what's your coolest experience? Oh, I'm a location guy. I love traveling. So, yeah. um, I mean, God, I, um, Mount snow dew tour where, the weather gets socked in down in the valley and you're up at, oh, I'm sorry, that was snow basin. When you're up at the top of the mountain and you see the, the socked in um, weather and the sun's rising over the peak and you get all this golden light first thing in the morning mm. um, while you're freezing your butt off trying to get to work with a 50 pound med pack going down a mogul field like Dude, that's so it's awesome. it's like it's stuff like that I live for like that that kind of stuff is so cool. Um, uh that's right up there with i got to oh here's a fun one i went to china um oh, with cool. a uh, uh we were in beijing the year after the olympics and we got to tour all the uh olympic facilities after uh the games were done but uh i was um the doc and i went out shopping uh before a uh, a practice event and the hotel gave us uh business cards with the map for the location and um in Chinese characters, Roman characters, and English on how to get back to the hotel. And we, were, we just hand it to the taxi driver right. and, and they take us home, no big deal, right? You give them the cash and it's no big deal. This taxi driver, like we weren't that far away. We know you just go to the light, make a left, and it's like two miles down the road. We were, um, but she turns right all of a sudden. So Doc and I look at each other and we're like, yeah, this ain't happening. We open the door and roll out of a moving taxi. <laughs> oh, wow that's so um, funny what did you think yeah. was gonna, like do you think she was like legit, i wasn't like, I, we were not waiting to figure out if she yeah, was just just took a wrong turn didn't or understand like, it or what it's just like nope we're not finding this out we'll, we'll be late for practice and we were and yeah oh, man <laughs> that's so funny yeah yeah, yeah. no i was yeah, in, so um, i would say i was in uh france and um um spain last year with the men's soccer team i lucked out so okay. my, one of my um uh, the head athletic trainer who usually works with men's soccer had a, another trip already planned. So I lucked into going abroad with them. That was my first time abroad. So that was super cool. I had similar experiences. Yeah, no, the traveling, traveling with the teams overseas um, is, is fun because you're always, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of planning, a, a lot, lot of, of stress, planning, a lot of planning, but you get to see some really cool things like that, that trip we got to, uh, we actually broke away from the athletes, the med staff, and we went and walked the great wall of China. Oh, that's cool. We, um, we got to see the velodrome. I was really into cycling back then. Um, and it was just, it was, it was an epic trip. It was eight days. Uh, I, I don't think I slept much before and I def- definitely didn't sleep while I was there. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, it's those experience that, yeah. that's, that's, super that's, cool. yep. yeah. 
Yeah, traveling traveling's right up there with winning for me. So <laughs> <laughs> I like to win, but I do like to travel for sure. Yeah. Nice. Um, what do you do for fun, Phil? Oh, right now. Um, besides geez, building things. Yeah, besides building decks. Um, I don't know. I got into um, aerial photography last year. I got my first drone, got my uh, FAA license, and uh, I've just been flying a lot. Um, oh, yeah? The, I did a special project over the pandemic. I went and uh, video and photoed um, some of the sites around Pittsburgh uh, yeah. while they were vacant, the, the stadiums mainly in downtown, got some cool footage, um, cool. found a, um, they call themselves the Corona Choir. Um, it was in Dormont, the suburb of uh, the city of Pittsburgh, and um, they got together over Zoom or and went out on their porches and sang every weekend. Did you put so that I on did, social media? I did. I, I did their that. first concert okay. and I did their last one. So okay. I've got um, I've got uh, cool. two episodes of that one up, which was um, was a really cool, really cool thing to be a part of. Um, uh, especially with all the just with everything that was going on, the community just. They, they were like, no, we're, we're going to be safe and we're going to still um, get to know each other. And, and you had neighbors that lived next to each other for years, never knew each other. Never knew each other, yeah. That, that they're singing together now. That's and it was, cool. uh, it was a cool event, yeah. That's awesome. Love that. Yeah, it brings me back to my old, my old stringer days when I worked for uh, newspapers. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I saw some of the, your, your stuff on social media during that time. And, and yeah, that was – I was – yeah, I totally forgot about that until you just brought it up. But that was super cool. Yeah, you 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 put out some people. You, I put out some stuff. If you guys yeah. don't, yeah, if you guys don't uh, follow Phil, please follow Phil because he does. He puts out some pretty good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm very generic with my uh, with my names. It's all it's all under my name, Philip Hensler. Um, <laughs> I guess when I LLC, it was late one night when I decided to do the paperwork and didn't come up with anything cool. So I have to deal with my name. Dude, that's one of the I am hardest not that full though, of right? myself. Yeah. I promise you that. <laughs> right. It's so hard to come up with a name and that, that somebody else hasn't already used. And right. Uh, I'm not that creative. So now yeah, if I ever yeah. open a studio or, or a production company, I've got names for that, but like oh, okay. for, for my photography, I never really, yeah. I always, yeah. I always shot under my name. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah, for sure. What else, Phil? Anything else you want to chat about? I, I don't know. I, I think we're good on this one. Yeah. No, that was fun. I, I, I hope uh, I hope the audience, um, the listeners out there, I hope you enjoyed this. I think we uh, give us uh, give us some feedback. What we want to move forward on? We're what? This is episode seven. We've got uh, five more for this season. We have a, a few more presenters uh, waiting in the wings. Um, next month's episode is going to be really fun. Um, and then, you know, what do you want to see? Do you want to see us branching out, uh, seeing talking with other professionals? Um, get out of state. I mean, um, I've got my uh, I've got my NASA undershirt on. Um, it's been that kind of week for me uh, with the uh, with Bob and Doug going up to the uh, ISS. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would absolutely love to see, you know, what uh, what NASA does with athletic trainers and how we train our, our astronauts and what what the plans are for the future. Uh, for sure. But that's me. Uh, I, I kind of want to see what the, the rest of the state wants. And I, I know, Adam, you've got um, you've got some ideas. And yeah, I think yeah. Uh, we're going to I think this rolling, could be something cool if, for season yeah. two. I was gonna say, if you guys have ideas, um, topics, speakers, whatever, like let us know so that way we can we can try to grab them, get them on the show, and we can get you guys some good information. But uh, or if, or if one us. of our viewers has a topic that they they're passionate about and they want to yep. talk about, get a hold of us. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Adam, uh, go ahead. What's your email? 
Uh, best email would probably be Rich Mona, R-I-C-H-M-O-N-A at Dickinson.edu. And I'm at uh, philip.hensler at me.com. That's P-H-I-L-I-P dot H-E-N-S-L-E-R at me.com. I promise you I'm not that full of myself. <laughs> um, but I yeah, am, get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so go ahead, know, get a hold of me. us. Yep. Yep. Follow us on social media. Hit us up on, um, we're, we're part of the, the at GoPats social media as well. So yep. hit us up on there. Um, let us know what you're thinking. Um, we, we, we really enjoyed doing this podcast, but we want to make sure you guys are enjoying it as well and getting, getting some useful knowledge. So let us know. Yeah. And uh, like and subscribe. Let's, uh, let's get our account up and uh, maybe we can uh, be able to get to do uh, some more involved uh, episodes and some, uh, some really, really cool stuff. Yep. Who knows? But until then, this was the, Pots, the Pats Podcast. I'm Adam Richmond. And I'm Philip Hensler. <laughs> that was fun. Oh, that was good. Yeah, I think so. I